Hey, so we've been in a sermon series. Uh, this is number seven, and we have been uh, talking about a blueprint for church. And I think partly just to spend some time thinking about two things, really, about what the church is and what the church does. And so we've been uh, talking about the subject of ecclesiology. And ecclesiology might be a big word that you've never heard, but it simply means the study of the church. And ecclesiology is a big subject. There's a lot of different things we could talk about when we talk about the church. Um, but we've been just kind of talking about the nuts and bolts. Like, what are, what are we supposed to be, and then what are the things that we should be doing? And so I've kind of been thinking along the lines of charting a course for the future. Like, where are we going and how are we going to get there? And I think it's safe to say that our church community would, would strongly agree that one of the main reasons why we exist is to reach more people. Amen. There was one amen. That was great. <laughs> so encouraging. <laughs> we say our mission is to know Jesus and to make, make Jesus known. And so I, I think that really is... Is true. I mean, I just don't feel like that's something we have to push back um, and constantly say because I think most of us get like that's what our vibe is. That's what we we want to do. And yet at the same time too, there are challenges that go along with that. And so I want to just talk about a couple of those challenges. And after I spend a little time talking about some practical things, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at John chapter 15. But you know, one of the challenges with wanting to grow is it's really challenging to make space for new people. Um, I just know that that's, that's a reality um, because what happens is you form relationships with some people and then it becomes difficult to let new people in. It just is. It's always been a practical challenge. And so other ways that looks um, for us would be like with our seating, you know, having enough seats in our auditorium is important. So we've been adding more and more seats because we've had more and more people coming. Um, but you know, the main space issue here at the Vineyard is actually out there. Parking, yeah, I got yelled at last week because somebody said, I had to walk, and I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't know what to say. It's like, what did you expect? <laughs> but it is a reality. It's a challenge, right, having parking. And so just, just as a suggestion, you know, if you're part of our church community and, and you are able to walk, uh, I would encourage you to park on the street, park down the street, and, and just walk. It's, it's actually pretty cool uh, to do that. And so we have to be intentional about making more space for people. So we've, you know, we've done certain things. We've added more chairs. Um, we've, we've tried to, we want to keep encouraging people to park um, further away if they're able to. Now, I don't want you to feel like it's bad to park in the front if you need to do that. We absolutely have those spaces available for you. And can anybody tell me what all these spaces right in front of the building are reserved for? Visitors. That's right. <laughs> We're not judging you, but I know sometimes non-visitors park there. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, and there's two handicapped spaces. That's right, too. That's right. Um, but so a challenge would be making space for new people. And so where are we going? You know, let's just think about that for a minute. Well, if we continue to grow, and what historically happens in churches is that you, you continue to grow, and then you get to the summer, and then what happens? It's 115 degrees. Can everybody tell me where people start going? to the lake, and so summer happens, and that's a good thing. But then at the end of September, things start happening where we start growing quickly again, and then we start to have a lot of challenges related to space. And so 
I think Lord willing, and this is not a, I'm not prophesying, I'm just telling you what I suspect is that by the end of September, we're going to be back at two services. And that's a good thing because it creates more space for people and it also um, creates more opportunities for people to come because there's some people that will go to church at a nine o'clock service a lot easier than an 11 o'clock service. And some people, uh, I'd like to know who you are, will never go to a nine o'clock service but love the 11 o'clock service. Just, yeah. Some of you are like, is there any way we could have church at one? Is that an option? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, can we just... Like, there's a lot of anxieties related to some of these changes for some of us because we've done this before, you know. When, when Don and I first moved here and, and we started moving forward, you know, our church grew really quickly and we had to go through all the growing pains and figure out how to do two services and it was really, it was really tiring um, and it required a lot of, of people and, and um, just leadership. We had to really figure that stuff out and so part of us are kind of like, uh, but we're also really excited. Because I think God is doing some things right now, and we want to be on board with what he's doing. Amen? So what are some of the things we need? Um, I, I wanted to say, again, we need more volunteers. We need people to, to step into roles. You know, we, need, we need to get people in every ministry. Um, we really need, if, I, if I'm quite honest, we need people to step into roles that they're gifted at, that they have... Um, abilities they have passions for and we really would love to see everybody involved in our church community I mean I think a goal for us in the coming future is that everybody who's a part of our church I'm not talking about visitors right if you're visiting you want to know what the coffee tastes like and you want to make sure there's donuts and you want to make sure that there's kids right um, that's how I am at least I'm like do you got Kevin's donuts because if you don't sorry can't go but once you feel like God's called you into our community and this is your home, part of being a part, a part of a family is to have responsibilities, amen? amen. And so part of the responsibilities at, at, uh, in this church, there's a lot of different ways for you to serve. And so I want to just kind of nudge you into that as well. We really need more people to serve with our kids ministry. That is a, last week we had a crazy amount of kids. Carissa was like, look how many kids we had. And I had a panic attack for her. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> So here, let me, just, let me just encourage you, because I know that some of the challenge with serving is like, well, I don't want to be stuck in there all the time. When Don and I first, we had our first kid, Alana, who's now 18, she was like, you know, eight months old, and we started attending this church, and like we, they said, hey, if you're, you know, if you have kids, we're trying to rotate around, so would you be willing to serve in the nursery? And I was like, I don't want to serve in the nursery, but Don signed us up, so I had to go. And we were there like all the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're literally just going to church to do daycare for everybody. That's how it felt. Okay. Just being selfish right now. Okay. I've grown. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've changed. But I remember really feeling that way. And so we're, we don't want that to be the vibe here. What we like to do is encourage people like, hey, maybe you don't want to do it every month. If you do, that's awesome. I mean, that would be good for the kids to see familiar faces on a regular basis and to have us as a community understand that investing in the next generation is essential for our church's future. Amen? Amen. If you really believe that, then perhaps you'd be willing to serve every two months. Because if we have enough people who can, who can be willing to serve, it'd be easy just to do it every two months. You can be, you can be with the kids. Um, and then... Are you guys okay with me telling you what we need? Does this help? Okay. We need more money. (laughs) 
I wake up every, every Sunday, Lord, I just can't wait to talk about money at church. It's such a popular subject. Thank you, Lord. But um, on a serious level, you know, our, our giving took a massive hit in COVID 2020. I mean, that was just a reality. Every church did. And so we've been slow. We've been plugging along. We cut everything we can cut. We're trying to be as, as uh, good as stewards with the finances that God brings in through your faithful giving. Um, but there's ministry costs. There's staffing needs. There's training equipment. There's resources. There's building maintenances. I mean, last week, we spent like $1,500 just on things to update our, to upgrade or to maintain uh, this building. And so, you know, those are some things that we need. So we need volunteers, we need finances, and then I think we really need to pray more too because navigating the future is gonna require a lot of wisdom and discernment on our leadership's part, and that's what we're trying to do. We wanna be faithful and follow the direction for the, from the Holy Spirit. But I wanna tell you something. There's a little bit of good news here. Um, I didn't think this would be so emotional, but um, I'm excited. I am so excited about our future. Like, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord has been working in the last few months. I mean, every Sunday, um, we're hearing stories of people coming to faith in Jesus for the first time or making a recommitment after having years of not really connecting to Jesus. Yeah, that's a good thing. There's two, two yahoos. That's so awesome. Um, it is a good thing. And then also, when we, before... 2020, our church, we, we knew, I would say I knew without a shadow of a doubt that part of our church's calling was to develop leaders and to, and to plant churches. And so I've had a lot of conversations this last couple of weeks with people because I'm telling you, when we planted the Modoc Vineyard and we, we sent Nikki, we all felt it, didn't we? It was like, oh, I mean, like we used to always joke around about how Nikki really ran everything here. It really is true. I'd like, what do you want me to do? And she'd tell me like, okay, cool. <laughs> she was an amazing leader. And so it's always the feeling of like, well, should we give those people away? And I just want to tell you that I really do believe that the Bible, the kingdom of God is all about multiplication and that giving away our best has merit. And let me tell you why. Prior to Nikki having the Lord invite her to go and move, to, to leave her home, to move back to Alturas and plant the Modoc Vineyard, there wasn't a community of God's kingdom up there. There wasn't a vineyard church. And so now she has nearly 100 people who are a part of her church community, and she's reaching more and more people. And I think that is part of our calling, amen? Our calling is to multiply and we want to grow. And so I think uh, another aspect of our future is, is we really wanna get back to intentionally developing leaders because we are gonna plant churches. That's part of our calling. I think that's, you know, I do buy into the idea that healthy things grow. Do you? Yeah. And if you do, then this is part of what our calling is. So here's what I wanna do. I was, I was praying this morning and, you know, we tend to have what we call in the vineyard, ministry time at the end of the message, and we have a space where we can pray for people. But I really felt like the Lord wanted us to just spend a few minutes right now to pray for any of you right now who, who just can kind of identify with this invitation to maybe take a step of faith, maybe to start, give, maybe you've never given financially ever. Like, you're just like, what is that about? But you have this growing, like, like nudge to be more faithful in your giving, to maybe be more generous. 
Um, maybe the Lord's put a, a certain amount of money to give on your heart. Maybe that's it. But maybe it's also like you want to get involved and you have no idea uh, how to get involved and where to get involved at. And so I want to pray for that. So we're going to do it kind of backwards. And, and so here's what I want to do. Um, I had four things that I felt like the Lord really put on my heart. And so I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes right now. And if, if one of these four things at all connects with you, if you're like, oh my gosh, that totally is me, I'm going to ask you to stand because I want to, we want to pray for you. So the first thing is this. I felt like the Lord said that some of you are just scared to death to serve. Like absolutely scared. And part of the reason why you're scared is because you've done it before and you got burned or because you just do not feel like you have anything to give. And so if there's anybody that would say, yeah, I'm pretty scared. I'm a little gun shy. I'm, a, I'm afraid of, of serving and getting plugged into a team. I'm going to ask you right now just to stand. Okay. The next thing is I felt like the Lord said that there's a number of you that truly feel like you have nothing to give. You just, you feel like you have nothing to offer. You have no, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. You feel like you don't really have anything that would be of merit in the church community. And so if that's you right now, I want to ask you just to stand. The third thing was um, kind of similar to these, but I felt like there's a, a number of people who are like, I have no idea where I fit. I just, I look at this puzzle and I'm like, I don't see where I fit. So is there anybody that would identify with that? Just feeling like, I don't know where I fit. I don't, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know how I, how I am compatible with this community. And if that's you, I want to ask you to stand right now. And then lastly, and this is, this is what I really felt like the Holy Spirit was just resting on this idea that there's a number of you who feel like you have been disqualified in the past. For whatever reason, maybe you, you didn't do something good enough, you feel like, or, or maybe you, you know, you've, you've sinned before, and you feel like because you do X, Y, Z, you could never, ever serve in God's kingdom. And if, you, if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now, too, if you feel like you've been disqualified at all. Okay. So I'm going to pray for each one of you who are standing right now. And if you're around somebody who's standing, if you would you know, feel comfortable with just praying for them too, you can put your hand on their shoulder. You have permission to do that. Don't be weird, please. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for each of these people who are standing. I pray in the name of Jesus for your spirit to come right now and fill them and to give them confidence I pray that you would help them to, to also take a step of faith and to get plugged in, to be willing to take the risk, to, to say yes to whatever you're inviting them into right now, Lord. I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, you would overcome fears, ideas of disqualification, that you would overcome obstacles that are related to them not knowing how they fit and that you would nudge them into walking in obedience to the purposes of your kingdom. 
Would you come, Holy Spirit, right now? We pray this in your name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Now, if you stood and you are like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a risk. Let me just tell you one thing I would love to do is I would love to get together with you and to talk about where you might fit. And I know Don would love that. And we have other leaders on our team here who would do that as well. All right. So open your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. What I want to do this morning is I want to just take a quick look at a passage of scripture that I think needs to always be on our mind as a church community as we continue to move forward. And so I'm going to read from John chapter 15 verses 1 through 17 and then we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about it. So this is what we read. Jesus' words. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen to that. that I, For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Listen to that again. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. So there's a key question, I think, when I read this text. When I read this passage of scripture, which I love this passage, John 15, I could just read it over and over again. We could spend a long time, and it's just so rich. It has so much meat to it. But when I read this passage of scripture, it's fascinating to me because this is one of Jesus' final exhortations to his disciples. It's, it's, one of the, the, uh, it's part of the, the discourse that Jesus is speaking to his, his disciples because he knows that he's going to be crucified soon. And so he's teaching on the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's giving them common overview of these are the things that you should spend the rest of your lives wrapped up in. But the key question for us, I think, as a church, 
And as a church community, we are, we are in a collective community of individuals. So this applies to us both individually, but also collectively. And the key question is, is I think this, will we be a fruitful church or an ineffective church? Will we be a fruitful church or an ineffective church? <clears throat> now, if you spend any time reading theology or if you read religion or if you just go through you know, your newspaper um, that has religion articles, oftentimes you'll, you'll notice that scholars are, are pretty open about the fact that the church is not doing too well these days. Uh, in, the, in the changing landscape of the last probably 20 years, the church has really been struggling and more and more churches are closing uh, in our own region you know, in the vineyard, in, in the, the region of the Pacific Northwest, we've had numerous churches close. In fact, this is shocking to many of us, but our church is one of the largest churches in our region. And so it's been a really challenging time for many churches, many pastors. And I mean, I could spend a lot of time telling you why I think attendance is down. We could talk about why it seems like participation is down in most churches. Giving is down. Everything is down. But here's the good news. And I just want to celebrate this for a moment. Things have been changing here in our Vineyard Church. God has been at work there are new people who are coming to faith, as we already said. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for us to, to be excited. And, and yet, despite the challenges that faithful followers of Jesus have, and I think this is true of churches all over the world, really. You know, I, I was able to attend um, some vineyard churches in, in Africa, in, in the country of Kenya last August. And I see they're, they're struggling along, too. They're having all these challenges that we also have. But one of the things that we need to really wrestle with and really come to terms on is that there is a need for local churches to continue the ministry of Jesus. Like I could spend a long time telling you why I think churches can be silly. And that's the PG version of the way I would describe that. But I mean, I talk to people all week long and I hear about how church communities have damaged them or I hear stories about people who grew up in church and I hear about how they were, they were basically taught things that are just not true about God and not true about the church community. And, and it's really discouraging sometimes because I oftentimes feel like, man, if this, is the, the wor- if this is what the world thinks, I do not want to be associated with the church. Like that's like the last thing I want to be associated with is a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. Like that's not inspiring to me. And yet, I'll tell you right now, with all of my heart, I believe that the church matters. I believe that the church has a calling and that we, we have a responsibility to continue the ministry of Jesus and to, and to sow seeds of hope into people's lives. I mean, I think that's part of our calling. And so when we wrestle with this question of will we be a fruitful church or an ineffective church, I think we have to all agree that the goal is to be a fruitful church. And if the goal is to be a fruitful church, then I would also encourage you to consider what that means is that you have to be a fruitful follower of Jesus. The church is a community of individuals that collectively gather in the power and presence of the Spirit. And I I think we all notice that in John 15, we cannot overlook how much emphasis Jesus places on fruitful ministry. I mean, just look at these first four verses. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. 
and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Folks, think about this. If you are part of the vine, and if your goal is to produce fruit, the work of the Holy Spirit is to prune us in such a way that we become more fruitful. That's Jesus' goal. And that's oftentimes when we go through challenging situations and we go through challenging times or we have relationships that are really frustrating and, and God is at work and he's, he's working so that we can become more fruitful, which is the same thing as being more effective, right? And so Jesus makes this really, really clear here that that's part of what the Holy Spirit is at work doing. And so I think one of the most um, important questions we can have as followers of Jesus is related to where is the fruit or what is the fruit? That is the, that's the secret, I think, to, to really figuring out what exactly we should, be, we should be looking for. I had this friend, and he was a weirdo. Like, I mean, I'm talking as weird as you can get. And he was one of those, like, super charismatic people. And I don't mean, like, charismatic personality I mean like charismatic church people and his name was Mark I was supposed to change his name to Billy Bob but I don't think he ever watched this but my friend Mark I met I met Mark and he was this he was the same age as my dad and he worked with my dad and did a bunch of building maintenance and I just was around him all the time and we kind of became friends and this guy um, his story was pretty incredible because what happened to him is he became a follower of Jesus when he was like in his 40s and he had basically lived in a bar his whole entire life. He was a professional pool shark, meaning he was so good at pool, he made enough money to survive on it. And I made the mistake of playing pool once not knowing that that was what he had done. And it was embarrassing. I was like, do I get to do this ever? No. And, uh, but Mark became a follower of Jesus and two weeks later moved to Mexico to become a missionary. And so when he would tell his story about how he became a disciple of Jesus, he became a follower of Jesus, went and did the things that Jesus called him to do, and then was discipled the whole entire way. And so when he got off the mission field after seven years, he had just been around um, all this Christian stuff um, and kingdom stuff and mission stuff, and he was one of those guys who would like hear from God all the time <clears throat> and, in, and would do it in a way that was a little awkward. That's why I was like, it was weird. Because I remember the first time I experienced his weirdness, I was like, hey, Mark, do you want to go to a movie today? And he's like, hold on. And he walked over to the corner and started talking. I looked like he was talking to himself. But he walked over to the corner and was like, God, I'd like to go to a movie. Is that okay? And I was like, what, what did he say? Like, is this movie okay? <laughs> and I was just like, that's a little weird. But it's not weird. Are you with me? Like, I'm using the word weird just to say, I thought it was weird, but he was like the real deal. So he came back and he's like, yeah, the Lord said we can do it. I was like, oh, good, because that would have been awkward. So this is, this, this is the guy. So this guy would, uh, would hear from God all the time. And here's the deal, though. He was so awkward that it was like, I don't know, it was like scary to have him around sometimes because I was always like, what if he's going to weird somebody out? Because it was so weird. But here's the fruit. Let me just talk to you about the fruit. Okay? Dawn could tell you this story herself. But, you know, Dawn had gone through a whole bunch of hurts in, in her church background. To the point where it's like the idea of being involved in church was almost like 
would make her sick. She had many pastors have moral failures. I mean, people that she had loved and she believed and she had served on, she had done internships with, and they just constantly did that. And so what had happened in our life is that when we got married, we were both like, you grew up in the church, you grew up in the church, cool, let's get married, and then let's not ever go to church again. I was like, game. Like I knew, you know, I'd been around enough church already. And then what had happened is the Lord started started doing something in our lives where we started praying and we started really growing in our faith. But, but what happened is she was still a little gun shy from the church thing. And I was ready to like jump in. And, and so it was really a challenge in our relationship. And so one, one prayer meeting, weirdo Mark walked right up to her and just said, hey, the Lord gave me a word for you. And then read her mail and told her things that only she She's never told anybody that only God knew. And she was completely like healed and set free in that moment. So weirdo Mark. And then weirdo Mark, a few years later, after we started pastoring her church, shows up at our church. And I'm like, oh gosh, he's going to weird out everybody. And he weirded out everybody. (laughs) But you want to know how he weirded out people? Because he'd walk up to him and say, hey, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for you. And then he would, he would tell them things that, that only the Lord knew. And, and so we saw firsthand, weird is okay. Let me say that again. Weird is okay. I'm not talking about being weird to be weird. I'm talking about how God works through weird people. Case in point. I'm just saying. So John 15, being fruitful. Being fruitful. Like we want to be a fruitful, a fruitful church. And so we need to always be wrestling with this question of are we being fruitful? Are we being effective for God's kingdom? Now, I only have a few minutes here, and I want to just really quickly just point out five things that we see in this passage of Scripture. Five steps in this passage of scripture to being fruitful. If you've been in the vineyard for a while, you know that one of the things that we're kind of known for is being willing to pray for people to be healed. And that our early founder, our early leader, John Wimber, developed a thing called the five-step prayer model, which was designed to be able to make it possible for weird people like us who are normal and don't, you know, know all the secret Christianese handshakes to help us to be able to pray for people. And I think in a similar way, we can see five steps to being fruitful right here in this passage. And the first one is this, abiding in Jesus. If you want to be fruitful, and if we want to be a fruitful church, we have got to remain connected to Jesus. Because Jesus says that apart from him, we can do nothing. And this is probably the most important thing you will ever hear as soon as you become a follower of Jesus. When you make the decision to to follow Jesus, you want to experience salvation. Maybe it's as simple as like, I decided I don't want to go to hell. So I'm going to become a Christian, whatever it is. The most important thing you can hear right now is that it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong daily decision to say yes to Jesus One theologian says it this way, and I love this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing 
equals everything. All we have to do is to remain connected to the vine, to remain abiding in Jesus. So we have to stay continuing to be connected. And this is the thing, is that people tend to go through these cycles of being connected, slowly drifting away, being disconnected, and then wanting to get reconnected again. And I meet with people all the time who go through these like six-month processes where I'm like, hey, do you remember how the last time we talked, what happens is you start to drift, you start to, you start to pull away from community and from the things of the kingdom, and then you get disconnected and you start to wonder why you have this big gaping hole in your life. Want to know what you need to do? Remain connected to Jesus. The next step, number two, I think, is to commit to growing as disciples. For me, the question, and every church question for me is always, are we growing as disciples? And, and all I mean by disciple is like, are you a follower of Jesus? And it's a process. It's not one size fits all. But becoming more and more fruitful as a disciple is part of what we're talking about here. Amen? Like being more fruitful as a church, being more fruitful as individuals. And so we have to wrestle with the question of what needs to change? What do I need to give up? What do I need to begin doing in order to be obedient to Jesus? That's the question. Number three, the the third step, I think, to, to being fruitful is we are invited to overflow with joy. Now, I think having more joy is a good thing. Do you agree? Good goal, right? But did you notice how having more joy in the text, in John 15, Jesus connects having more joy to being obedient to Jesus. Like, I remember for a long time, my assumption was that if I become a follower of Jesus for real, I have to be boring, and I can't be happy. Are you with me? Like, I used to have this idea in my mind that God was a cosmic killjoy. Like he was just waiting in heaven. He's like, oh man, the first sign of happiness, throwing down lightning bolts. (laughs) But that's just because we don't understand who God is. And we also, I think, have misplaced ideas of how we get lasting joy. I'm telling you right now, if you surrender your life to Jesus and you begin to become more like Jesus, and you say yes to the kingdom and no to the distractions of the world, you will have more joy. I'm positive of that. Number four, the fourth step is to remain in love. Now, I have been thinking about this a lot because I find it fascinating that at the end of the day, most of us as human beings, I feel like what we really struggle with often is whether or not we are loved. Like, I think many of us, like, grew up wondering if our parents loved us, and now as a parent, I'm wondering if my kids love me, you know? It's like, do they love me? You know, I mean, this, this is just something we struggle with. I don't know why, but doubt, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced that, that I say all the time that mostly, folks, we are objects of God's love. But when you want to know what I think mostly the enemy does, I think mostly the enemy sows doubt into our minds. I I just think that that's what he does. Like, but did God really say? But did God really, really love me? And so we doubt these things. But, I mean, we need to realize how powerful love is. And I say this all the time. I mean, we are going to, as long as I'm here, 
our church community is going to build foundations on love. Why? Because love changes everything. Love lasts. Love is the grounding for all of our theology. Listen to what Paul says to the Ephesians because the Ephesians were followers of Jesus. They had been saved. They had been baptized. And he still says, I pray for you. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I want you to be strong is what he's saying. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Oh man, the power of love. And then he says this, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, but they don't, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. This is why Jesus says, remain in my love. Abide in my love, because if we remain in his love and we are constantly being filled with his love, guess what happens when you feel, fill vessels? It overflows to the world around them. And then finally, in our five steps, we've said abiding in Jesus, step one, Growing his disciples is step two in the John 15, fruitful encouragement. Step three, we need to overflow with joy. Number four, remaining in love. And number five is living as friends. I mean, I am so fascinated and overwhelmed by this idea that we can be friends with God. I mean, it just seems weird to me because of who he is and who we are. We don't deserve it. And yet he loves us so much so that he wants us to be his friends. And not only is joy connected to obeying Jesus, friendship with Jesus is also connected to obedience. And this is why I think we really talk a lot about being friends with Jesus, but I'm not so sure we know what that means. Because being friends with God is risky business. It is risky. It is dangerous. And you want to know why? Because if you're in a true friendship, if you're really saying, Jesus, I want to be your friend. I want you to, to be my friend and to guide me. Did you know that he actually will do that? And he'll say, guess what? The way you're treating people doesn't fit with the love that I call you to do. It, it, you know, being impatient doesn't fit with the way I've, I've called you to live. He starts to push back on us. And that's why I've said for years, being friends with God is risky, but it's worth it. It is worth it. Let's stand up together. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence right now. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, it's not because we 
don't know that the Bible teaches us that you are omnipresence, omnipresent and that, that all of your people have the indwelling, lasting, living presence of God. We, we know this, but we, we pray, come Holy Spirit, because we are inviting your activity right now. We want you to work. And Lord, I'm going to ask right now for one thing for us. Would you help us right now to know what we need to believe and or what we need to do to become more fruitful for you? What is it that we need to begin doing regularly? whether it's spending more time in prayer or reading scripture more or being more courageous with sharing our faith or with other things, Lord, just, just drop those things into our heart right now. And then what are the things that we need to give up, Lord, that we need to turn over to you that are obstacles in our relationship with you or obstacles in our relationship with other people? Help us to become more fruitful by the power of your spirit for the glory of God and for the well-being of people. We pray this in your mighty name.